0: Hello, Speed Freaks, and welcome to the American Downhiller podcast presented by SkiRacing.com, where we share our insights and stories on World Cup downhill and the legendary tracks that will be done and run this winter. Today, we have a very special guest, the latest American downhiller to win on the World Cup circuit, Mr. Bryce Bennett, the champion of Val Gardena and the fastest man on the planet, on skis this past week so stay tuned we're gonna dive into his head which is gonna be awesome and get his take on the historic win hey everybody i'm doug lewis two-time olympic downhiller and i first ran val gardena in 1983 and in that year my line we went around the camels joining me are three of the raddest american downhillers in our history a.j Kitt, a four-time olympian and second u.s male ever to win a world cup downhill after bill johnson did it in 1984. Next up, Darren Rawls, winner of 12 World Cups, and like Bryce Bennett, loves to shock the world and steal wins from any Austrians available. And finally, the founder of the American Downhillers, Marco Sullivan, a four-time Olympian, who in 2008 was one of five American downhillers in the top 10 at Val Gardena, an historic resort. And now I get to introduce our guest, 2018 Olympian, three-time member of a world championship team, national downhill champion, and now... A World Cup winner. Welcome Bryce Bennett. Where are you? What time is it? And how's the snow and training going?
1: Uh it we are in we're in Innsbruck, Austria. Uh yeah, we just got here. We were training some GS in Italy afterwards. It was pretty difficult. It was all injected. And that was very humbling. But yeah, now we're gonna be here for a few days. Enjoy the holidays together and then head on to Bormio. All
0: right. Before we hear everything about your run and Bormio, can you tell us how you were able to stay confident and have a winning mentality standing in the starting gate on Saturday after, honestly, Bryce, a very tough start to the year, all the way up to your training runs at Val Gardena, you were 41st and 22nd. How did you stand in that starting gate and believe you could win? Or did you believe you could win?
1: Uh, no, I thought I was. If like, I was like, Top 15, I'll be okay with. Um, Yeah, I I was having a, I've been having a, yeah, I was having a tough week. I've been having a tough year. Uh, Still playing with like equipment. I was still playing with it before Gardena, like free skiing the day before the training round started. And then we were messing around with skis in the training round, some different models and, and, yeah, I mean, the first training run, I was like, "There's that last finish jump, and I was tucking down there, and I was like, winning this training run for sure." <laughs> like that was a good run. Cross the line, I looked up, and it was like three seconds out, and I was like, "Dude, I've never been three seconds out at Gardena." Like that's the worst feeling. Dude, it's so bad. And then that was on a second, new pair of skis. Yeah, I was on a new pair of skis and a different model, and but you yeah. felt good. Uh, kinda. Like it mm-hmm. it was it was like in the moment I felt good. Then I watched video and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then the second training round was better. It was an improvement. Went on like the more standard model of skis, still new. And then yeah, kind of put that behind me, did the super G ski okay in the super g i just messed up it was a very fast super g and you had to ski two turns pretty well and i didn't so i was like i think it was like two seconds i was two seconds out and 36 so it was tight so then yeah the night before i i just watched a bunch of video with scotty and cannon and i was looking at some of my transitions and the turns and i was just like standing straight up and just moving inside like just leaning in and now i was like i can't do that like no shot i can do that <clears throat> and then i came up with a good plan like garden is special because like i kind of i can like see where you get speed from it and it just clicked with me pretty well and so on race day i felt weird I felt like not. Usually, I'm nervous and like like a good nervous, and I hold on to that. And that day, I just I wasn't nervous, and it was freaking me out a little bit. Um, and I took a longer inspection than normal, and I just I like had a good plan, and I was like second guessing it a bit, and I wasn't really thinking too much of the race during all day. It was weird. And then like, honestly, like five minutes before I pushed out of the gate, I was sitting on my, I was leaning on my poles and I had my just staring at the ground. And I was thinking to myself like, are you going to be remembered for like leaning in every single turn? Like that's how you want to be remembered. The dude who just leans in all the time. Because you can go and do that right now and that'd be great, but. I don't know what do you want to do and at that moment I just kind of went into a different headspace it was like okay like this is what I have to do to be fast and I'm gonna go do it no matter what and so in the gate like yeah I was like I clicked in and I was like let's go you know like I'm gonna stand on it and commit to my plan and I knew I knew I like for me, Gardena. The hardest parts the top, honestly. It's just like I've been notoriously slow there. And in all the training rounds, I was like 1.4 out at the second interval and I was just getting smoked up there. So I knew if I could stay in it at the top, that I could ski the Chazla. Like I had a good plan for the Chazla and like I could ski that pretty well because I could absorb it. So
2: yeah. You challenge yourself at the start to, uh, ski well and and to not be remembered for something lame and <laughs> yeah. instead instead you join an exclusive
1: club of men who've won on the world cup yeah. turn around yeah it was it was cool uh it was like yeah i mean i've had good runs before but that one was like it's funny because there i like had a huge finish celebration but i it, I know it sounds weird to say, but I knew it. I knew it. I want because like uh, Omar Schreidinger, who's second and then uh, uh, yeah. Hinterman. Hinterman. Nils Hinterman. Sorry. Just amazing. Uh, they were really I remember that- the
3: second, third place guys, man.
1: <laughs> Just
3: remember the ones that win.
1: yeah but they were in all the training rounds they were super fast up top like lights out um so i knew and i watched omar's run because he went one and i just caught it on the tv and he ripped the top and i was like that's gonna there's like a you hit the there's a second jump and then there's this uphill jump into the flats and he just held bull like deep tuck right over it. And I was like, that was sick. Like that was a good run. I was like, I'm going to go do that. And then I starfished off of it, but. (laughs) You start 10th, right? Yeah. Which is perfect in Gardena. So you're
3: still early. You still had a, that is a good, I mean, good start position with the light and all that from the,
1: you get some of the top and some of the bottom, correct? Uh, The bottom is all in the dark. The top is like pretty good in the light. Uh, the, the lot was in the dark? Yeah, lot's in the dark. I think after like, like bib, Then it starts creeping. Yeah, 20, 25, it starts, it switches, the dark gets, the top gets dark and the bottom gets the sun yeah. in the choslot. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you touched on something that,
3: uh, yeah, I was gonna ask like how your training set you up for race day. And you, you touched on that, which is basically, you know, like AJ said, I mean, you were not on your game and you were trying (laughs) to figure out what to do, you know, change it. And instead of that, you know, stand up, moving inside, you committed more to get, you know, in the next turn and just like stick your face into it. And I think that's really, I mean, when you're always on point, you get a flow going for sure. But even those times where you're struggling, I think you just got to like, you know, um, face that. It's like facing fear, acknowledging it okay, what's the plan I need to figure out now to, to change this? So yeah, totally. good, job, so- good job on your part for like just turning that whole thing around and then fully committing, man, and getting after it yeah. and, and making those simple changes and just focusing on the process.
1: And that's one of the things that I've been pretty decent at in my career is just being like, like brutally honest with myself and just being like, all right, this is where I'm at right now, and this is what I have to do to move forward. So we got to let's do it. You know,
3: it's better you be rem- remembered by uh, a winning run than, <laughs> than <laughs> one run you come down yeah. and just hack your way down, and he you was walking the whole way. There. But like you know, it's just inspiring for us to watch too, and it feels good as a ski racer to come down, light it up, and you want to see guys throwing it down.
1: Yeah, totally. That's,
3: uh, it was fun watching your run, man you're just nailing it, but you could see like you mean the speed where you come off those yeah. jumps and the skis are, you know, just taking off, off. And, and, um, but that was, you're on the, on the fast line and, and pushing it and, and looking for speed. It was, that was a fun run, run to watch. And obviously more funny when he came across the line and saw
2: that <laughs> green light. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you start with bib 10 and, and, you know, you come across the line, you know, there's some good guys that have come down, but there's also good guys behind you. Like, Take, well, I mean, the, what,
1: literally the top, like, yeah. Foyd's hadn't gone. Paris hadn't gone. Yeah.
2: like Kilda hadn't gone.
1: Matthias Meyer hadn't gone. But I don't know. I, I, I was really nervous about Ryan, and I was really nervous. I don't know what happened with, like, I don't know. if I think the weather changed a little bit for Ryguy. And he kind of got hosed up top, you know. And then if you're just not carrying momentum up there at the That's top, right. it's over. But Kilda I was worried about, I knew he was going aggressive into the Chaws lot. Like the three turns before the, ch- the first Chaws lot. And I was watching video with Scotty and I was like, if he does that on race day, it's going to be like it's a big risk because there was it was just like sharp usually the the trains always sharp but it was like real steep drop-offs where you just lose snow contact like immediately where other years you could like it was rounded off a little more and you could get that shape and direction back and he was going in there like almost straighter than i was and like it was just a huge risk. And I was like, if he takes that risk on race day, I was like, I don't know if he's gonna be able to pull it off like he did in the second training round. And it he almost did, but it, it did quite work out.
3: What was your plan through there? Did you use that um, from kill day and, and apply that to your plan and, and run it?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I was like, I'm gonna just give it like a touch more room entering so i could i could come out it's you enter it's a right foot big left foot drop off and then this big like wheelhouse right foot turn um and that's the you have to carry speed into the big right foot before the chas lot so i just needed to give myself a touch more room just like just a little bit so i could just carry that speed Because I went in there like really, really straight on the training runs and I came out like in a place that I, as soon as I like came around the left footer and dropped down and I looked where the gate was, I was like, oh God, this is not a good spot to be. And so I was like, I need to give myself more room to carry the speed.
0: Let's talk about that Cheslot just a little bit further. It's... 99% of the time you make some kind of mistake, but you were just perfect. You went from sixth place entering Chaslot to exiting it in first place. Talk about that mindset. Was everything clicking? Was it slowing down for you? Do you remember it at all? Like what happened through there?
1: I, I mean, I think ever since I like had a good, like my first good run uh, in Gardena, I just like have a, for what it should like what speed is there uh and I <clears throat> the other thing was in the training runs I was kind of sliding into the second draws lot because I was going pretty direct into it and I was like I was getting smoked on the last split like absolutely destroyed I was losing another second so I was like I have to go clean into it and the only way to get to go clean is to like <laughs> Ski the right footer above well so then you can roll it up clean in there so yeah it's just i just knew exactly where i needed to go and i was like just touch down on the backside and then yeah i don't know ski it <laughs> you
0: got to you got to talk about the celebration immediately at the finish line and then take us through the the culture of uh, celebrating an american downhill win
1: yeah, um, so yeah, I I watched Omar's run and I knew he was lights out and he skied the whole thing like very well. Um, and I knew he was like one of the fastest guys up top. <laughs> and I was expecting to be like, I don't know. I was just like hoping not to be last place when I crossed the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> and I across the line. I almost ate. I almost biffed on the last jump. It was so, going so big. It was like I don't know fifty, fifty-five meters to a pretty flat landing. So I like got rocked a bit. across the line, and then I caught the screen out of my eye when I went to stop, and I saw it was there was green and not red, <laughs> and I, 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 I. I this it sounds kind of lame to say, but uh, yeah, I, I knew I had that one. Yeah, so I was fired up. I think I dropped a giant F-bomb. My yep. mom was pretty bummed about that. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. but Yeah, it's just like, it was one of, like, especially at Gardena, because I've had so many, like, good runs there, and I've missed the podium, like, yeah, twice, like, really close, and I Yeah. And I was like, dude, I need to, like, I gotta win this one, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta tell you, and Marco can attest to this, but uh, I mean, Tahoe's just
3: been on fire with your performance, man. And yeah, very, I mean, I run into 10 people a day and they bring you up. It's so cool from, you know, just obviously at the resort, Palisades, but just around town, post office, all that. So, I mean, you gave me the chills and everybody else, and you really fired up our whole you know, um,
2: our whole whole community. Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a mark. I talked to a buddy of mine yes. in Florida yesterday and Sunday in December in, in, a, in Florida, they were showing this race on television with all the other yeah. NFL games. So <laughs> yeah, yeah that sure should be, that's something right there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You even uh, made uh, the TV at wildflower, dude. Yes. <laughs> wildflower. So I had uh, your, had the instagram uh fist like run of yours it's like on uh, just you repeat. know a school repeat just going around and around dre and i were in there and and uh yeah we we're watching you a couple laps
1: so yeah I, I mean it like definitely back home like there's been so many people obviously that have supported me the like entire time and i've just been yeah it just feels good to like confirm it you know, like I knew it, I knew I could do it. <laughs> and I think that that was the other thing in the start I was thinking about was like, there's a lot of people that have helped me get to this point. And there's a lot of people that support me and like, you gonna lean in for them or what? <laughs> That's awesome channeling that, the vibes
4: that come from afar, yeah. It's what you gotta do when you're over there in Europe with your little crew and sometimes I feel like you lose sight of what it's all about. But to have that yeah. to remember what it's for and the way you were able to just flip it within a moment and it's yeah. super cool. Thank now
3: you. you gotta keep it going. Yeah,
4: it's
3: <laughs> yeah, That's maybe it's- a pro move pro move right there in the start, making that that switch like Marco's talking about
0: uh let's let's give a little advice to bryce so i broke through at bormio and it was definitely easier to get to the top than to stay at the top what's one piece of advice darren sully aj after you win that big one how do you keep it going what do you take what what's the advice for bryce
2: i, I would say don't just, over, uh, don't overthink it maintain that confidence man i mean the, the confidence is has now been like you said you validated it and um, all the hard work and, and the fact that you know you can do it, and you just prove that you can do it. Just keep that mindset and, and don't overthink it. Now let the not let the confidence take over, and and just flow because um, you know it's there, and you know it's you, you know that you can do it.
3: Yeah, you don't have to find. You don't have to search for anything else. I mean, my first win at Fitfield, I called Zach Christ, all fired up, and he just gave me props, and he was my teammate. Roommate for years, and just uh, first year he was out the tour, and uh, we had a great conversation. He's like, you know what, best in the world today. Go out there and do it again. Have fun tomorrow. And <laughs> the pressure was off. It was just like I got this, and I think it was just taking that that fun feeling, and just how much energy and flow, and, and knowing having the belief in yourself that when you perform, no one can touch you. You already proved that. So just go out there, and I mean, like you said, execute lot of time in that video. The same thing you did, you know, with work with your coaches. It's so important. And but just no deep downside if you light up that day, and you're not gonna be standing up and moving in, leaning inside. You can be fast, man.
4: Yeah. And
3: just remember the outside ski
4: you focus on. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, Bryce, I'm similar to you. You know, I had that that dream since I was a kid to win a World Cup, and and for me, I won that one World Cup, and I kind of felt validated and I never won another one. You know, I was like, went for years and years and skied strong, but I think you just need to remember, like, this is not the top the step. Goal. You've now proven yourself, you're the man and you gotta just keep rolling. And yeah. uh, I don't, we're all excited to watch you for sure.
1: Yeah, hopefully I don't come down in 31st in Bormio. That'd be a real <laughs> bummer. <laughs>
0: Thanks to Marco Sullivan, you have this American downhiller celebration with even a vest. Can you talk about that night, the celebration, any speeches made, or did you
1: pass out at 6pm? I actually did end up going to bed pretty, not like too early, but uh, yeah, like the hotel we stay at is like, it's pretty famous. Uh, and the lady, the people that run it are the best, like, it's like, honestly going to like your grandma's house you know uh the lady babs is the best she takes care of us she's like our second mom and you just feel at home there it's honestly the worst hotel we stay anywhere but it's like the best hotel you know like it hasn't been remodeled since the i don't even know 60s (laughs) but you just love it's like your favorite place to go um so yeah we came yeah, chugged a bunch of champagne in the finish, and then I had to go <laughs> to anti doping. I was like, I'm drunk, like, this isn't good. <laughs> and then we, yeah, we got back to the hotel, and everyone was in a the bar. There's a bar in the hotel, and it was kind of cool. We were just all, everyone was fired up. The entire team was there, all the coaches, and everyone was just having a good time. And then it was getting pretty late. And Babs like brought made pasta and brought it down to us and we're just partying and hanging out. My serviceman, he's like notorious for like, he's usually in the gondola when I'm clicking, like pushing out of the start. So I was like, oh, he's for sure at home, but he stuck around and we're yeah, just having a good time.
3: Did you drink any beer out of a cowboy boot?
1: I did not I didn't get too loose. I just don't like being hungover and I knew I had fucking injected GS training. So but we were uh, yeah, we had a good time for sure. The next day was it was a tough drive uh out of there. You got to take those moments and and uh
3: soak it up though and celebrate. That's what it's all about and I think it just elevates the whole team. The dynamic is so important and uh Yeah, I think you just help infuse a lot of energy into the rest of the guys.
0: Yeah, talk quickly about the team. What does this win do you think do for the team? And what does the downhill team do for you? Like, what do you get from these guys?
1: I mean, obviously, we have a very capable group right now. Um, There's five guys in the top 30, and that hasn't been – that hasn't happened in a long time, and I think people are – <clears throat> very capable and they like quite honestly like i get smoked in training all the time so <laughs> hopefully they could i think they can feed off that and and get it done on race day um but i think randy's also been doing a good job of keeping everyone like level-headed and the energy's pretty calm and we're just like Every meeting, he says, uh, progress over perfection. (laughs) So we're just focusing on, like, little steps here and there and building and building and building. So, and he's really good at just, like, keeping that on track and not trying to go to some crazy different place or, like, he's just, like, one step at a time, one step at a time, like, keep moving forward just a little bit, you know? So I think we... And then the coaching staff behind it, obviously uh, Scotty, who's been around forever and unbelievable. And then yeah, Kanan and Ben and our new PT, Caitlin, Caitlin Shikony. She's been a great addition to the team. Just keep, she's like our mom. <laughs> and yeah, I just think we have a, we have a solid group, and it's. It's cool to be a part because someone's going to ski well. Like no one really, someone's skiing fast every day. So we just have a solid group and everyone's pretty focused. We're all pretty similar. Uh, So it, it works out pretty well.
3: That team dynamic, Bryce, I mean, Randy to me, I just see him as a really low key guy and doesn't get fired up. Like my coach, Jono, he was uh, <laughs> you know, all about oh, being yeah. serious, but then he would be you know, serious for celebration too, you know, take it to the next level. Who's the, uh, I mean, so I'd see him being pretty mellow, but who really gets after it um, as far as the staff? You know, who's the most fired up? I, I, my, my vote probably go to Scotty.
1: Yeah, Scotty was, was pretty fired up. Well, it's funny because like when I first made the World Cup team, they, like, just kind of started coaching, too. And they were, like, yeah, they were going pretty hard, like, every weekend. And now they're, like, doing push-up. They, like, don't go out ever. They're in bed at nine. They do, like, push-up challenges. They're skinning all the time. Like, <laughs> everyone's, like, trying to stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. But uh I – Caitlin – yeah, Caitlin – Caitlin was sending it, it was sick. She was my she took sh- down. number two pick. We had a few vice beers. <laughs> ben Black was yeah. fired up, Cadence, yeah. Everyone was having a good time.
0: Every one of us on this screen, we played by the rules, we joined the US ski team, but we each held on to being unique. And whatever our strengths were or whatever our particular uh, attributes were. Bryce, you stand out to me as being very unique. How do you what would be your advice to young kids who maybe don't fit the mold but really have this dream? What is your advice to them to, to stay true to your uniqueness and, and try to make that work? Can you have any advice there?
1: Well, I'd start that off with if you're a coach and you have someone who's unique, like like, let that be a thing and be okay with it. Because uh, I think what's what's tough is when you have someone that's unique and then someone's trying to fight that, uh, it makes it really difficult. I was just stubborn enough where, like, there was no chance I was going to listen to you and you were not going to stop me. Uh, so, yeah, if you're a coach and you have someone that's, like, pretty unique, like, that's okay and let it be a let it be that way. And like, where the Americans win is like, our uniqueness to think outside the box, be creative and believe in ourselves in a different way. How
0: about Marco, Darren, AJ, times where you had to fight for your uniqueness or fight to stay positive that you can share? Like for me, I was tiny. I'm five, eight in the morning uh lying down right I was tiny I had to work on my technical and aggressive factors and try to make those shine and try to buck the system that way talk about fighting through Darren Sully and um AJ to stay true to yourselves
2: you know for me I mean everybody knows this I wasn't the best you know skier out there I couldn't make a ski turn and back (laughs) Louis when I took over the team from you they didn't make skis to turn um they were just boards and and by the way that first turn at, at uh at Val Gardena on a pair of two thirties. No, you were skating around that first corner. But I mean, I, you know, I was a good glider and I know how to make a ski go fast. And so I just, I continued to use that to my advantage. And, you know, it turns out that, um, you know I did pretty well in kids too which happens to be not really a gliders course. So, you know, I was able to, you know, build confidence and use the, you know, use my gliding ability uh, as a strength and, uh, you know, and just, just keep working on my my not strengths, right? Learning how to make those skis turn better.
4: I I was thinking uh, about uniqueness, Bryce. When you were talking about that, your one place where you've kind of gone a different path is your fitness regimen. You you train differently than a lot of the U.S. guys, for sure, and probably a lot of the ski world in general. Um, do you feel like that's paid off? I mean, now that you're now that you've won a race, and th-
1: I mean, the sport's evolving, like pretty quickly it's it seems like and it's not so much like even when you you were racing world cup like before i like yeah came along the courses and when darren was racing especially like the courses the downhill courses were like wide open there were turns but now it's like really turny comparatively um, And I think the, like, type, like, the the guys aren't getting as big, it seems like. I mean, there's obviously big guys in downhill, but they're not, like, I don't know. Like, when I think of tanks, I think of, like, ever harder and, like, huge dudes. And we don't, I mean, we have that, but not so much. It's more like athleticism, like, just building athletic ability. And endurance-wise, like, being able to train hard for five six days in the summer on snow and like being able to recover those days I think that's very important and then on race day like you obviously have to be like incredibly fit to get to the bottom but it's it's a I think it's just more about like athleticism right now
0: all right, we got only about five to 10 more minutes. So we, before we let Bryce go, I wanna talk about what your next week looks like. And maybe I'll start with Darren, Marco and AJ. I don't know if you spent, spent Christmas overseas, AJ, but talk about the, um, the culture of spending Christmas over in Europe because Bormio is right after Christmas. And then we'll go to Bryce and try to figure out what your schedule is gonna be. Christmas
3: time for us, it was a good time to recharge. Obviously, uh, I would go someplace, mostly Kittsville, and go free skiing with a buddy, a local buddy there, and just kind of get away from the whole team dynamic, escape a little bit for like two days, have some good free skiing, and then um, come back with the team. And we would always spend uh, Christmas in Bormio, and I remember we had a, uh, we had no tree. We wanted to have a Christmas tree, so Jake Fiala and I went out and just started rolling through town and found like a a christmas tree just kind of laid up next to the church and thought that was a nice one to bring back to the hotel so we we brought our own christmas tree back and you know made a bunch of decorations out of magazines that guys like and and uh made some homemade uh you know just i mean there's beer cans all kinds of stuff dangling from that tree but it it was a good time you know to spend together and like bryce was talking about before your your extended family is on the road it's the team, and so everybody you know has friends and loved ones that are back home and not able to join join the team, so it's you just make the most of it. And that was a good recharge for me. And then I came into Bormio just ready to
2: you know light it up, so that was a good transition. I spent Christmas over there a couple of times. Um, I went to Salzburg once and, and just did it really nice where it got a nice hotel room and just did all the you know relaxing Christmas things, and that was great. It was a good recharge. And then another time Fleischer and I went and, and spent, we decided to go to Rome and we got a hotel and we walked and we walked all over Rome. And we saw all the sites. It was amazing. But like we walked for eight hours a day and we got to Bormio and we were both smoked, like our legs were shot and we did terrible because Bormio takes so much energy. I mean, I just remember I was stumping out. Halfway down Bormio because I spent three days walking around Rome. So don't do that. Like Christmas break is supposed to be a rest.
4: I remember the Canadians would usually be in Bormio too. And we'd have some, we had some good Christmas hockey games. There's several years where we traveled with our skates and we'd just get creamed by the Canucks on the, on the uh, ice. <laughs> and that same thing, AJ, we probably would play a little too hard then going to first training run with sore legs and maybe a little hungover and then you'd wake right up with being <laughs> skiing Borbio, the toughest mm-hmm. of all, in my opinion.
3: Those hockey and, games ended quick though. I remember that Marco, like just, what are we doing? Right. We're going to the first training run, like kind of already sore and, and tired. And that was a, a switch I made the last like three years of my career was just like, have a little fun, free ski, but like really focus on recovery because you want to come in there firing all cylinders, first training run. That's
4: probably right, why Bryce I take us through that last pitch. I was, I was. Stunned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you get to the finish of Bormio, and you're like, "Merry Christmas to me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I've seen more crashes in the finish in Bormio than in all yeah. those gnarly jumps because everyone's so toast. Bryce, take us through your next week. Where are you going to spend Christmas? When do you show up at Bormio, uh, and uh, how are you going to make sure you recover?
1: Yeah. Well, we're, so, yeah, we're in Innsbruck. We have an apartment here. Uh, usually I get an apartment for myself, but I did not do that this year, just with the schedule. So, yeah, we're all hanging out in the apartment and probably go get a tree. Because I remember my first year on the World Cup, Marco was like, we're getting a tree. And we went up behind in the forest and just poached a tree. <laughs> and then I think he turned it into a baseball bat, which we still have. <laughs> nice. still in the dry land bag but uh yeah so we'll have christmas here the neighbor here's like uh you know honest he's a good friend of ours and he's gonna do a celebration and i think we're gonna go rodal he like i don't know where he gets like 20 rotel rotels i think he calls everyone in the town and he's like can i borrow your rodal so we're gonna do that and yeah just kind of hang out make some good food and yeah have a good time are you still and doing then,
4: a secret santa or anything
1: yeah and then at Bormio we do a secret santa the rule is you can't spend more than 20 dollars and yeah it's just white elephant style so it's a pretty good <laughs> it's a pretty good time so we gotta i'll go shop for that this week and get something stupid
3: that's <laughs> yeah, always fun those are you know, secret santa gifts
1: yeah Definitely, the atomic serviceman's gonna roll in with a crate of beer. <laughs> It'll be good though. And then, yeah, do Bormio, and then uh my fiance is flying over, and then we're gonna go take the high-speed train down to Naples and spend a few days there. Do another week of training, and yeah, in uh Italy, and then bang in kidsville, China. So you're not coming home at all, huh? Recharge. no i'm not i won't come home until after uh yeah china right on.
0: so it'll be nice to arrive home with a medal around your neck from the olympics and squabble yeah. and definitely party yeah that would be Bryce,
3: what are you most looking forward to which race coming up well i mean i'm yeah i really one, i like one to the next or just is yeah. there one kind of like i mean each yeah. one's really important but is there one that just kind of you're a little more fired up for
1: yeah i mean i've had a good run in bormio and i'd like i'd really like to have another good run there uh but i'm really fired up for banging i love that downhill and that one's sweet and then obviously kids people, i mean i like the classics, so i got some good three weeks ahead of me for racing
3: yeah oh yeah you do all right well man, have fun man thank you say hello to the
0: rest of the crew thank you bryce for your time thanks to aj marco and d money and thanks everybody for watching and listening to our american downhiller podcast if you liked it spread the word share with your friends coaches teammates and club you can find us on skiracing.com and now in audio form on either spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search "American Downhiller Podcast." It all help also helps a ton for you to subscribe and also give us a great rating. Our next podcast also has an unbelievable guest, the all around superstar who had his breakthrough win on the World Cup last year at Bormio RCS Ryan Cochran Siegel. He grew up on a small hill named after his grandparents of maybe 200 vertical feet, and is now throwing himself down the three thousand vertical feet of Bormio next week and looking to win so we'll talk to RCS and all things Bormio a race that defined my career and also played a huge role in AJ's Darren's and Marco's as well thanks and always remember ski fast take chances